Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Welcome, Connect. I'm so glad that you're in church today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. Everybody calls me PD. Say, what's up, PD? All right, 845 is on fire. Can we do me a big favor and all those that are listening online, and in particular our Framingham campus, can we say hello to them, give them a big, a big hand. We love you, Framingham, and all you guys watching online. So glad that you could be with us. Uh, this, is, uh, this is kind of an exciting day. Uh, I'm going to be talking about empowering women because men need help. And, uh, and I'm going to be talking about that as a man. So what could go wrong? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I had a bunch of friends uh, that I was with this last week. I was, uh, I was in Florida, and, um, and I know, suffering for Jesus. No, I didn't even see the sun. I didn't even see the sun. It was just meetings, meetings, meetings. But I was talking, all the guys were sharing, all pastors are all sharing what they're going to be talking about. I told them I was going to be talking about, and guys were getting off the couch and coming over and, like, hugging me, you know, and, like, one guy's giving me his last, the last rites, and... Uh, and they were just really concerned. You know, they were really concerned. And I'm like, guys, I'm not going into battle. I'm just preaching the Bible. So anyway, um, let me just try to <laughs> uh, say that t- this, is off, this is off, you know, off the uh, notes a little bit. This has been like one of those subjects that's been a lot of work for me because um, there's really so much to say in, in so little time. And, and there's different people at different places that are listening online, listening in Framingham, listening right here in Ashland. Uh, some of you would be like, yeah, what's the big deal? Some of you are going to be like, well, what about those questions? What about that point? What about when Paul said this in, in the New Testament? And some of you are like, well, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely. So it's kind of all over. And so because of that, it's a little challenging. And so I'm going to just do my best. And I hope you guys are okay with that. Uh, this will be like a short series. Today I'm going to do kind of a little bit on... Um, the design of a man and the design of a woman and and have some contrast and some compare because as men, we can't really empower women or appreciate women if we don't fully understand biblically our role as men. Can I have an amen from all the men in the house? Okay, and all the ladies, just shh for a second. Okay, and so um, so we're gonna kind of you know, uh, get in next week. I'm really excited about next. I already know what I'm doing next week, and I'm very excited about that. Actually, next week, this is, some of you know this if you follow us on social media. Uh, next week, um, the first woman in Connects history that will be ordained as a pastor is my wife. She'll be ordained next week. Come on, everybody. So that's a big, big thing. For some of you, you already see her as a pastor. Many of you already call her as a pastor. She functions as a pastor, but our, our, our board has kind of voted this in. We have kind of a little bit of a governance process to this. And, and um, it's, it's obvious, but it's also a big deal. It's also a big deal kind of culturally within our church. I think it's going to affect um, the... Um, the family, this, we call, as, as a value at Connect is uh, we're one big family, church, we're one big family. And in order to be a healthy family, you have to have the voice of the father, you have to have the voice of the mother in order for there to be healthy kids. Can I have an amen? And it's just that way in the church. And so we just want to make sure that we have uh, a healthy um, voicing of both offices within the church. So really excited about that. Also, next week, I want to let you know, during the second service, um, uh, we will have a video service. So for some of you that go to the second service, that will be a video service. The reason being is because we're having a live uh, laying on of hands by the presbytery. It means the eldership will lay hands on my wife. It'll be an ordination ceremony at the end of each service. So all four services, uh, Stacy and I will be in all four of those services uh, live. And so it's going to be a lot of moving around. So I'll be here first, and I'm going to be racing over uh, to preach at the other campus live. Then Stacy will shoot over there. Then we'll come back over here, be at the end of second, and then preach live here and be at the end of second. It's going to be a crazy day for us. But second will be a video uh, message. And so I just want to let you guys know that up front. In general, during a second service in Ashland, I, I've, if you've noticed, I've been here live as much as possible um, because some of you guys weren't raised on that. But I will say this. 
A video is working awesome in Framingham. Can I have an amen? And, uh, and, and things, are, things are growing over there, and I'm so proud of you. Uh, and I also want to encourage, sometimes you guys in Ashland may prefer a more comfortable uh, environment. In Framingham, we have, we have room to grow. We have a huge auditorium over there, and there's room to grow. So some of you, sometimes in a big church like this, it's, it's hard to connect for some people and some personalities. And so I just want you to know, Framingham is, is, is our Connect family, and it's great for you to be able to to go over there uh, and, and maybe make that a home because as we go into the fall and early winter, you're going to see things are starting to swell again. And we've been growing year over year, you know, somewhere in like 10 to 15 percent every year. And so by, by the winter, somewhere January to May, we won't have any room here at, at Connect again. And so we'll have to address that. So I just want to let you know kind of the trajectory so that you can maybe consider uh, framing him as an option for you so you can still be under one roof in the same family, and I think it could be a good option for you. Amen? So this big day is coming up, and, and, uh, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, but to get things going, I, I just thought in order to really appreciate the subject, we have to talk about some of the differences between men and women, and in most instances, it's obvious uh, but not always. And I think, I think, guys, sometimes we need a little help. One of the places we need help is in our communication with women. And so, but the thing is, ladies, sometimes you use words and the, the definition in the dictionary is different than your definition. And so I wrote a few definitions down that I thought I'd share with the men and you ladies can just, you know, go along for the ride and tell me maybe if I'm right, okay? And so this is, this is sort of like some womanese, womanese language, okay? Real definitions of words. So if a woman says, fine, <laughs> it means I am right, the argument is over and you need to shut up, okay? <laughs> if she says that's okay, this is one of the most dangerous statements a woman can make to a man. That's okay means she wants to think hard and long before deciding how you're going to pay her back. <laughs> if she responds with the word nothing, this is the calm before the storm. This means something. Nothing means something, and you better be on your toes. An argument that starts with nothing usually ends with fine. Go back to number one, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, if she says five minutes, it'll just be five minutes if getting dressed or something like that, it automatically means at a minimum a half an hour. <laughs> but guys, don't be mad about this because it's the same definition you use when she asks you to take out the chores. <laughs> you got quiet there. <laughs> You're like, why is it? Okay, all right. If she says thanks... Listen, guys, a woman is thanking you, so don't question this or faint just say you're welcome, okay, and just let it go. If you hear a loud, <sighs> not actually a word, but a nonverbal statement often misunderstood by men, it means she thinks you're an idiot and wonders why she's standing next to you wasting her time. Okay? If she says, go ahead, go ahead, just go ahead, this is a dare, not permission. Don't do it, okay? I'll just give you one more. If she says, don't worry about it, I got it. This is the second most dangerous statement a woman can make. It means a woman has asked a man several times to do something and is now going to do it herself. This will result in you asking her later, what's wrong, honey? For the response, C, number three, nothing. Everybody get something out of that, okay? All right, so let's, let's, let's get right into kind of our big idea, okay? And this is, I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit. Write this down if you're taking notes. The big idea is that biology makes a male and a female, but not a man or a woman. <laughs> okay, now some of you might argue with the first part of that in today's culture, but, but you, you, can, you can maybe bring a child into the world, create one, but it doesn't mean you're qualified to raise one. You could be, doesn't mean you're a good mother. It doesn't mean you're a good father just because you can create one. Just because you have uh, genitals, just because you have, I'm going to be graphic, a penis and a coochie cooch, <laughs> doesn't mean you are, yes, he said that. Did I go too far with that? <laughs> Did I go too far? Yeah, sorry, Framingham. Sorry about that. This is online. 
forever. <laughs> Holy ghost. It, <laughs> I'm going to keep going because there's no way out. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a man or a woman. because that, Just because... Uh, anybody have a, a boy under 10? Anybody have a boy under 10? Boy under 10. Okay, so... So it, it, if you have a boy under 10, you know he's not a man. You know he's not a man because, he, because of how he treats his sisters, because of how he treats people, because all he wants is mine, and that's mine, and give me that. It, it's obvious, though he is a male, he is not a man. You can have a grown man in the woods with a buck knife, and he's hairy all over and got a beard a mile long. But that doesn't mean, because he can kill a deer, that he's a man. He could still be a boy. Right? And so the same is true for men and women. There are characteristics that make us a man. There are these special uh, functions, roles, responsibilities, whatever you want to call them, specialities that make us men or women. Now, in Genesis, we'll unpack this over the next two weeks. I can't wait to talk to you about next week. Please, please. By the way, don't miss next If you love my wife, and I love her, I promise you more than you do, but if you love my wife, as a point of honor, be here in church next Sunday. I just want to encourage you. Anybody that calls this home, please be there. But we're going to unpack uh, some different things in Genesis because that's kind of where God's original design for male and female, but also men and women, surfaced. It surfaced all there. And by the way, there's a ton in there. But man is given kind of two jobs in, uh, in the book of Genesis. And so what kind of makes a man, we can see from Genesis 2.15. Genesis 2.15 says that the Lord God uh, took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Everybody say work and take care. Or you could say, in one translation, it says, tend and, and watch over it, okay? And so, in this, in this scripture, we're going to come up with a term that it comes up later on in the scriptures as well, and I'll try to unpack it. But God's role uh, it, 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 that we see for man is a term called headship. Headship. And I prefer this over leadership because um, it, leadership, a woman can be a leader too, uh, women can be, can be in leadership as well. And you, you'll see that in the Old Testament. You'll see that in the New Testament. Women were generals. Women were prophetesses. Women were, were, would speak and disciple. Women uh, were in high offices within the scriptures. So we can't say that the role of man is leadership. No, it's headship. And so I'm deliberately kind of staying away from leadership because sometimes it's misinterpreted. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. So man has to be under authority to have it. And the head of the woman is the man, the head, and the head of Christ is God. But what is headship then? What is headship? And headship in a definition, I think I have this in my notes somewhere. Headship by definition is it's a unique leadership stamp uh, on the man for establishing order and also seeing uh, human flourishing. And I'll I'll make that make sense in a little bit, but let me say it like this. Anybody with intellectual credibility knows that the home is a better place when the man is involved in the home. Yes or no? When men are not there, you do not see human flourishing. You see destruction. You, see, you don't see the home thrive. You see it striving to survive. And, and I say that this is a point of contrast because the same is true of women in the home as well. But unfortunately, in the homes today, we see more women a present and more men absent. This is more common in the world today. And so you see God created man for human flourishing, for bringing order. And today we're talking more about in the context of the home. Next week will be more in the context of the church. So we'll be able to separate those. Or let's just say uh, in, 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 in occupational as well. We could even put it that way as well. So you cannot deny that men, um, are, when they're present and they step into that space and they step into that, that leadership role that, that, that people flourish, that families flourish. And again, we know this in the home. Listen, guys, for just a second. But sometimes we don't see the importance of it in the church. And I have to just say, as a personal confession, I I, I was raised in a little bit of a boys' club in the church. 
I didn't see some of the things until they were, uh, until I gave permission. I let some kind of people in my life. I have some new, inf- next week you'll hear from different uh, couples who minister as a team, a husband and wife who minister as a team, some very prominent leaders who do these little video clips to encourage uh, Stacy and I. But until I had certain influences, some of you know one of my overseers, Pastor John and Helen Burns. Uh, they, they minister all around the world together. And I've seen this complementarian kind of uh, uh, relationship and how impactful it is when it's just not one out front and then one kind of in the shadows. Now, some people are not meant to be front lines, and that, but it doesn't mean they're supposed to be hidden in the basement. It doesn't mean they don't have purpose. It doesn't mean they're not supposed to be empowered within their giftedness. Does that make sense to everybody? And I, I think I failed to see this. All the big decisions were made by a few guys in the back room and, and all the big meetings, it was just a few guys around the table and there, there were some problems that I did notice. Uh, And so I I just want to say that as kind of a confession. But when you look at the man's role, if you study uh, economically, sociologically, you'll find it's true. His absence hurts. And you don't, and you don't have to, things just will fall apart. So men need to be present in the home. The world knows that, but God said it a long, long time ago in the book of Genesis. Amen? Uh, As single moms, you might be thinking, just, I have to do this, but you might be thinking, well, what if there's not a man in the home? What, what, what do I do about that? I would say this to you, where the ideal is lacking, uh, grace abounds. Where the ideal is lacking, uh, grace always, always, always abounds. And so, mamas, don't quit praying for your boys. Don't quit praying for your girls. Some of the most godly men that I know in my life came from split homes, divorced homes, homes of dysfunction where a father was not present, and they became incredible leaders. Pastor Emmy, for example, who many of you guys know, came from that kind of dysfunction, and and he's been an an incredible godly man. But in general, in the domain of human relationships, it's designed, men are designed with a unique task of bringing order and seeing the human life uh, flourish. But a wife is designed uniquely as well. But her design is inextricably linked uh, to the headship of the man. Under that biblical headship, the scripture tells us she will flourish like a well-watered vine. She will. And I would just say this to you as husbands, if you're married, or maybe men who want to be married, but husbands, is your wife flourishing Don't answer that out loud, but is she flourishing? See, well, I don't know how to do that, Pastor. I don't know how to do that. Well, your competency does not uh, separate you from your responsibility. We can't say that in the work world. We can't say, well, I don't know how to do that to your boss. We would figure it out. We would become resourceful. We would find the answers uh, to gain dominion within that, that workspace. But sometimes in the home, uh, we sometimes remove ourselves or, or disconnect from the responsibility. Yet the scripture tells us in 1 Peter, deal with your wives according to knowledge. You're like, yeah, I don't have it. I know, but the Bible's saying you have it from heaven, and if you want it, you'll receive it. You have it from heaven. And, and some things you just gotta you just gotta talk it out. If you talk it out, you're gonna work it out. Can I have an amen? The same is true for men in your families. If you have children, you know, it's work. It's hard work sometimes to, to see human flourishing in your home and to bring order into your home. My kids didn't just show up at the end of my bed uh, with notepads and pens and say, Oh, Father, teach us, bring us wisdom and nuggets of love and admonition. We are here ready. History makers are note takers. No, that didn't come that way, okay? It was a lot of work. I can remember when we were raising my son, I was just with one of my, with Pastor Randy Bizet. Many of you guys know him. He was speaking here just early October. His son and my son were friends, our friends. And Jordan's a little bit younger than my son, but they used to hang out when they were kind of in there. They were offline, you know what I mean? Like they weren't in the purpose and plan of God. They were under the umbrella of a spiritual covering and family of their fathers and mothers, but they were offline. And I can remember they'd, they'd be in the room, we could hear them talking, and they'd, they'd be like looking in the mirror, doing their hair, you know, and gelling up, be like, thank God we're good looking and not ugly. That's the kind of stuff they would be saying to each other. <laughs> like, that's how they, they're just like, man, it would really suck if we were ugly. Huh? That's, and so that was, their, <laughs> that was their kind of life. And now both of them are pastors, and the people that talk to them say things like, where does all that wisdom come from? Where, where, where do they get all that? In? And, and I was thinking to myself, in the early years, I'm teaching them, but it doesn't look like it's sticking. Listen, mothers, fathers, the fathers in particular, it was sticking. Yeah. 
They were absorbing it even when you didn't think they were. You need to hold fast. You need to not give up. It's being absorbed. It was getting in. Can I have a hallelujah? <laughs> but for the most part, listen, men in general, not in this church, of course, not in Framingham, but in general, men have punted their responsibility. Instead, we have boys who can shave, but we don't have men who save people. We don't have men who reach out to people who are reaching and, and, and raising up champions. And so the spiritual implications of that are of epic proportions. I think there's a spiritual battle. We'd rather go off and watch movies of war instead of war for our families and for our marriages and for our children. And it's a problem. It's a problem. And so men refuse to lead spiritually, and it's staggering how commonplace that is. And yet the Bible's deemed us the spiritual priest. i got to go on. Number two, write this down. God's role for a man is sacrificial love. Are you getting something out of this? Sacrificial love. See, here's the deal. Uh, it's, it's, this is what it looks like. See, boys take, but men give. Boys take, but men give. See, godly men are self-sacrificing uh, for the good of the wife, for the good of the children, for the good of the family, for the good of the church, for the good of the community. If a man is leading through sacrificial love, uh, there is flourishing. There is flourishing. If a wife is protected, if she feels cherished, if, she, if, she, if her spiritual giftedness is released, if, if it's being exercised and encouraged, if, if she feels that, that marriage is going to flourish. It, 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 the headship looks like self-sacrificing love. Is everybody tracking? It, you're not a taker. You're a giver. And when we're a taker, the chances are the marriage and the family is faltering. And if men practice this self-sacrificing love, things go better. You are men setting the spiritual climate of your home. Whether you're doing it intentionally or not, you're setting the climate. You're setting the climate. The ethos of your home comes from your headship, from your self-sacrificing love. And men who tend to take uh, and to be oppressive and, and to kind of rule with an iron fist um, have that false, I don't know what you want to call it, bravado. Or It, it reeks. It's, the home stinks when, that, when that's the case. And so, men, let's be givers, not takers. Amen? Amen? Number three, write this down. The man is to provide, this is what headship looks like, physical care. This is all coming from Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 15. Physical care. His life, listen, ladies, his life is marked by hard work. It's marked by hard work. There is no place for uh, lazy men in the economy of God. God. God gave me this little quote. God sits on his throne, but he doesn't like lazy boys. God doesn't like lazy boys. See, God wants men to work and he wants men to war. The most miserable men in the world, the most miserable men maybe in your life I know, uh, uh, you know, is because they're not working and they're not warring. God never designed a man to be bored. You're, you're not made to be bored. D destruction follows if you're bored. Men are called to work. Men are called to war. If you show me a brother who's given over to some kind of an addiction, some kind of problem, some kind of, maybe it's lust, maybe it's rage, whatever it is, that brother's probably not been working. I would just get to work and all those things will get out of your life. It's just, I don't have time. Listen, it's not that I, I, I don't want to sin or I might, I, 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 might, I might sin if I was bored. In fact, when I sin, it's because I'm, I'm just goofing around. I don't have, it's not that I don't want, I don't think about it, it never crosses my mind. It's just I don't have time. I have too much responsibility. I sin less because responsibility changed my life. When I accept the leadership stamp of providing physical care for my wife, for my children, for, for my spiritual family, I sin less. Praise God, that's a secret to life. Amen. And so it's so important. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is an interesting segue. I don't know if this is in our notes. Probably not. But it says this. It says, husbands, in the same way, contrast now, be, as, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. One translation says the weaker vessel. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So we're instructed husbands to take care of, when it's talking about the weaker vessel, uh, I'm not going to unpack all this right now, but it's predominantly talking about the physicality of a woman. 
See, men have, the predominant hormone in men is testosterone, which produces more lean muscle mass. I couldn't wait to say that because it's just so true. It's just, it's awesome. I had a PR this morning. And so it's just like, amen. The predominant hormone in women is estrogen. See, God actually made those dominant hormones. He made dominant giftings. He made dominant characteristics. He made dominant personality things to complement each other. And so God gave men that dominant testosterone, that, that tendency toward aggression, not to be uh, uh, pointed towards her, but to protect her. Amen. That's what this is telling us. Be considerate of that. And if you are not, God doesn't listen to you, Bubba. You might need his help. And if you keep throwing haymakers at her, you're going you're gonna to get in trouble with him, a daughter of God. I don't want to get in trouble with the daughter of God. When, he, when God starts throwing haymakers at me, how are you going to bow up to that? I don't care how much testosterone you have, you're going down. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going down if God throws some haymakers. Okay? God gave you that protective quality. Listen, if you're, if this is a generalization, I know there's some exceptions to this, but if you're in bed at night and you hear glass or something break at a, at, on the porch or in the door, you don't turn to your wife and say, honey, can you check that out, please? I'll be under the bed. No, 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 no. No, guys, you're like, you're like, I'm up, I'm up. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like infrared, you know what I mean? You're like, just lay low. If you hear any, just drop, just drop. You know what I mean? You're out. Shh, you know, you're sweeping the air. Just beside my bed right now, I've got a mag flashlight that is more a weapon. I've got like a pellet gun with nit nitrogen thing on it. What else do I got? I got a knife, a big one. It's within arm's length. Why? I'm wired that way. I'm like, come on. I, I pray you break into my house. Just let me use some of this training on someone. <laughs> Just one time. I want to be justified as a Christian in knocking you out. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Secular people know this. Secular people know this. In Aurora, Colorado, this was back a couple of years ago, three 20-something gentlemen, uh, males, were, some of them were shot at, some of them were killed, and they were found throwing their girlfriends to the ground, covering up their girlfriends, where a guy was hurling tear gas and shooting randomly, and the bullets were going through the men and actually hit some of the girls through their bodies. And these, their instinct was to protect. And listen, I hope I can say this and not be misinterpreted, but nobody, no feminists got on TV and said, well, it's their right, they shouldn't have done that, those girls should have been able to fight for themselves. Nobody said that, because we all know inherently, we all know that when boys go down, the girls go free. We know that. It's built into you by God. Our role is to protect and he made us that way. He made you with bigger shoulders for a reason. It's to work it and it's to keep it. Tend it and watch over it. Is everybody tracking with me? So here's, I can't do all this this morning, but in Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 25, I'm doing pretty good on time. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me, let me just say this, okay? Genesis 2, 18 through 25, you don't have this in your notes, but I'm going to just read it to you. I want, I want you to see some things that are in there. It says, now the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. That's why we said empowering women, because men need help. There you go, right there. It's not good for a man to be alone, with naked in the garden with a pair of scissors. That's what, it's just bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. Just tending the garden. No, we don't want a guy like that. He's going to make a mistake. Okay, so then, it's, <laughs> then it says, I will make a helper. Everybody say helper. The Bible says, this is the Amplified, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable. Everybody say suitable. And complementary, say complementary, for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground the animals of the field, the birds of the air, and, and then he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever he, he called the living creature, that was his name. And the man gave names to the livestock and the birds of the air and to, the, and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper that was suitable, a companion for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs 
and closed up his flesh at that place and the rib which the Lord had taken from the man he made and fashioned and formed into a woman and he brought her and presented her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, why would you hurt something that's bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh? Why would you devalue something? Why would you treat something as cattle, which many parts of the world, women are treated like that? Why would you do that? If you didn't veer away from God's original design. But she was taken out of, you won't hurt your own flesh. You wouldn't hurt your own flesh if you saw it right. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and they shall be joined as, as husband and wife. And there should be one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. This is an amazing, amazing text that sometimes we get away from. And there's three things that stand out and this is bonus. But there was one woman in this story. Uh, later, she's named Eve by Adam. We'll talk about that next week. But in our day, again, women are not viewed right. S historically, we've seen women without voting rights, without the ability to, uh, to have a leadership position. Uh, they couldn't own land. Uh, you know, all kind, couldn't even, you could bear children and it had to be turned over to the husband. If, if it was a boy, it would be exalted. If it was a girl, it would be seen like a curse in certain histories and seasons of humanity. But there's one woman God says, all you need is one woman. Can I have an amen out there? And so, and we have all kinds of issues with that, polygamy and the like. And then he also, it's, the Bible says he pulls um, a rib, a, a woman really is pulled out of the man from his side. It's from his side. It's not from his back or his butt. That's sometimes how we treat people. She, it's, it's symbolic of intimacy. It was, it was meant, the woman was meant to come alongside because it was, she was taken from his side. It's a sign of intimacy. Are you guys tracking with this? I'm kind of laying a foundation a little bit. All right. Another thing that's cool about this is it would be scandalous at this time or and throughout many seasons of humanity for a man to leave his family. But God says, it's time to leave mama, bro. Your loyalty to your wife over your dad and your mom. Now, you can't see what I can see, but some women are going. <laughs> Don't hijack my message, ladies. Okay? All right? Don't be the Holy Spirit for me right now. Okay, so. I just wanted you to see some of these things. So that's kind of what's going on big picture. Now, there's another phrase in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 that pops up. And we're going to see kind of what makes a woman. What's the role kind of of a woman. And, and in this particular situation, you're going, to, you're going to see some questions that we're going to try to answer in the process. But there's a phrase, and it says in Genesis 2, a helper fit for him. And this, you know, there's two kind of things to that. Helper fit. Helper fit, okay? And we're going to, the helper word is a Hebrew word. And the Old Testament's written in Hebrew originally and the New Testament Greek predominantly. And the Hebrew word for helper is ezer, okay? And in order to understand or appreciate sometimes a word, the, the, the nuances of a word, you have to see it in context or you might have to see it in a sentence because sometimes it's, it's insufficient or sometimes we don't, we don't uh, interpret it correctly. In other words, if you were to take an English word like the word fast, F-A-S-T, that's a difficult, if you're a bilingual or multilingual person, you know that fast is a difficult word to interpret because it has many different meanings. Okay, so fast can be speed, it can be abstaining from food, it can be like a stubborn kind of conviction about something, it could be a shady deal. Okay, fast can have a lot of different meanings. And so the only way to know what you're talking about is to put that word inside a sentence to be able to see the context of it. So if I was to say to you, uh, yesterday uh, I was at a game and this guy ran real fast, what do I mean? Do I, do I mean he didn't eat before the game? No, it meant he was running real fast, okay? Now, if I said uh, there was a 90-year-old woman and she decided to go on a 21-day fast, that, does that mean she was out in the front doing wind sprints? <laughs> no, because we can see. You guys kind of get what I'm talking If I said uh, the pastor really holds fast the profession of his faith, that, 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 that means he's, really, he's got a, a strong conviction about something. Is everybody tracking with me? So to understand this word, Ezer or helper, it's important to kind of see it. So I want you to, I want you to grab a hold of that in, in just a second. But here's a question that I want to pose first, okay? See, do women have a uh, subordinate 
role to the man when it comes to human flourishing. Now, I'll just start by saying no, unpack it more later. They do not. Women throughout the Bible um, are, are equal in, in dignity. They're equal in worth. They're equal in importance, okay? That's not the issue biblically. The issue that people have, the issue that kind of people struggle with in a nutshell is the issue is around subordination. The issue is, and and that connects to this word helper. It's not around subordination. It's around this word in Genesis, helper, helper. Is everybody sort of with me right now? I need you to track with me. This is a meaty part of the message here. So to define this word helper correctly, we must understand it and how God sees it, how God used it, and even how God engaged with man as a helper. Okay? So let me give you some scriptures where God is called a helper, the same exact word used for woman helper. So the word ezer, Referring to a woman is the same exact word and translation used in these texts I'm going to give you. So in Exodus uh, chapter 18, it says, And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father, God, my father's God, was my what? He was my helper. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, 7, the Bible says, And this is he who said about Judah, Hear, Lord, the cry of Judah. Bring him to his people. With his own hands he defends his cause. Oh, be his what? help Ezer against his foes. In Psalm 33, 20, the Bible says, we wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our what? He is our help and our shield. So this is, this is amazing. So write this down if you're taking notes. God being called helper brings honor to the position. Therefore, if God can be called helper, the position cannot be inferior. I'll just let that sit in for a second. I hope you guys are tracking. See, it can't be inferior if God is also a helper. So if the woman is designed by God to be the helper the man to the man, then the role and the person cannot be inferior in any way if you follow that logic. With that said, what does it mean to be a helper? What makes a, a woman Again, Genesis 2.18 says she's a helper. She's suitable for him. Uh, one place it says a helper, uh, comparable uh, to him. Uh, one place it says complementary. The translations, I have multiple translations that we can look, and she's the perfect fit. See, God created you women to be perfectly opposite the man. In the book of Genesis, when you see man and when you see woman, the Hebrew word is ish and isha, and Hebrew words use pictures. And the picture is perfectly opposite like a hand and a glove. But the world has made it uh, perfectly opposite like this. Where opposites, uh, instead of them attracting, complimenting, being celebrated, opposites have become, because of the curse, which God wants, Jesus broke, which we'll talk about that next week, but because of the curse, it became this. It became usurp his authority. It became domineering over her, and, 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 and this, this battle kind of ensued. But the original design for a woman is that she would be a helper. She's called to be a helper. Now, the definition of a helper, simply put, is a woman who serves God in helping the man in the work of establishing order and human flourishing. It's so important. So, so helper, if I was to ask uh, Pastor Chris in Framingham, and I go and I and 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 I and you know I go to uh, you know I go to his office, and and I and I say to him, uh, let, me, let me flip it. I he says to me, can you help me uh, with something that I'm struggling with? He can't. He needs help with something in his job, and and he's asking me to do something that he has been tasked to do, but he's too weak on his own to accomplish it. This happens all the time, Framingham. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So he asked me to help him. Uh, so the issue of help is not an issue of strength. Okay? It's not, it, that's not the question here. The one being helped is the weaker one needing assistance in order to execute his, Pastor Chris's, primary responsibility. The primary responsibility is on Chris, but I'm coming in as the helper. It's not an issue of strength. He has primary responsibility. I'm helping him, but I'm not inferior to him. Does that make sense? As a helper. So it's not about, 
It's not an inferior position to be a helper. So although to be a helper is not inherently inferior, it is to come alongside taken from the rib, come alongside, so that the woman who is helping is, is, is not inferior. Uh, she's coming along the person with the, the, the headship, the primary responsibility in that situation. I hope that sinks in a little bit. So she's a helper. Then the Bible says, fit for him. So here's the second thing. Write this down. She is called to be the perfect fit. And I sort of already addressed this. Uh, it's not working. There we go. Yeah, I guess it is. just doesn't highlight. Okay, she's called to be fit for him. The word is kind of a, it's a complementary leadership, both unique in their creation. So there's one head, there's, there's, there's co-leadership, and there's unique role that complements each other in the process. And, and basically what happens here is, the, in the case of, say, me and my wife, when it functions the way it should, I might have proper primary responsibility in certain areas. She is the complement. So where I'm weak, she brings her strength to my weakness and compensates for my weaknesses. Where, where she's weak, I do the same thing for her. This is even better. When we both are strong in something and we come together, there's a multiplicative effect this is where the creative, this is why in biology, two people can come together uh, and use their uniqueness and their strengths and create a child. But when two people come together with their unique gifts, their unique strengths to each other, imagine what they can create. Women are designed to be the perfect fit for men. But outside of that design, uh, women will fight with men. And, and so we got to, women, this is your task. You got to be careful of this. There's this thing in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, PD, this just kind of freaked out on me. I'm going to let you try to fix that. There's this thing in Ephesians chapter 5. It's, this is called the, like the marriage chapter, the latter portion of it. And you can look up this on your own. But one of the places that men typically go to is it says, uh, you know, women are to submit. And, and one of the places that the girls always go to is the men are to lay down their lives. But over that chapter is this verse that says we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, God was trying to say, hey, yeah, yeah, that's your, that's your priority. That's your function, ladies, is, is, is you invite him to lead. You come alongside him. And men, this is your responsibility, which, by the way, I think the major portion of responsibility comes on the man by laying down his life. You serve through sacrificial love. That's the part of headship. If those two things come together under the umbrella of mutual submission, then human flourishing takes place. Relationships work. Does that make sense? Okay. And so, we, so what does that look like? So men express this through inclusion of their wives, through sometimes deference, and, and we want interaction. We value their intellect. We, we encourage their, 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 uh, their, their input. That's what it's supposed to look like. I don't think my wife, just because she has an exposure to this, doesn't mean she doesn't have a tuition, an intuition about it. Doesn't mean she doesn't have an ad value to that. In fact, the more I include her, the more brilliant I realize she is. See, but what happens is men abuse and twist and, and manipulate these truths, and they come in and say, woman, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. See, that's not headship. That's bullshit. That's what that is. That's bullying your wife. We don't have any bullshit in this church, everybody. Can I have an amen out there? That'll preach. So, so let's not do that anymore. So, oh my gosh, don't get me going. I can't believe I just said that. So, so here's some things that men need to avoid. Men have certain hurdles, and women have certain hurdles in this relationship. Men's hurdles, I believe, because of the curse, this is at a cellular level. Uh, the, the, at a cellular level, men have a selfish passivity. It, 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 there's there's the, this, in, this unwillingness to... to, to to, to exercise headship in the home, to lead spiritually, to lead and, and cover and protect. And I actually think it's not passive, it's a active passivity to headship. You know, it's too, you know, it's just too hard. I don't want to do that. And, and so men, you have to fight being given over to comfort. If there's something, I'm just saying, as a man, that, that the propensity towards, in certain areas in my life, I'm like, let's go, let's take the hill. And there's other areas, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to get on the lazy boy. You know what I mean? I'm just going to, I don't really want to pray about that right now. Netflix is looking good. You know, there's, there's that propensity towards comfort. Uh, another bent that men have is towards selfish aggression. Selfish aggression. And that's where we're, we're misusing, we're misusing our strength. And, and ladies, this is what you can do to compensate for that. And this is to single ladies and also to married ladies, okay? You need to raise your expectation f- for men involvement in your life. When you raise your expectation for biblical headship in your marriages, for biblical expectations in your uh, relationships to be, men will rise to that. Men will rise to that when you do that. Raise your expectations. And you can, you can, another thing you can do is you can encourage them. See, my wife has incredible power over my life. Well, first of all, an expectation. Some ladies say, sometimes say things like, well, you know, see, ladies, sometimes you don't value yourself, let alone what other people are saying about you. You'll settle for, for some moron who's hanging around with a bunch of other morons who, who the bar's only about this high. Well, I don't want to be lonely. I guess I don't want to be lonely. Well, get a cat. <laughs> at, least, at least the cat won't break your heart. You have to raise your expectations. Can I have an amen out there? But then you got to encourage, and, and, and this is especially true for wives. Speak life into these areas. Men, you know, it looks like there's nothing happening. It's just like they're way down here. Well, that's what, like, wood is like at the bottom of the ocean. But if you speak life into that, that wood will rise. That wood will rise. That, that bucket that's empty will begin to be filled if you speak encouragement to that. Amen? But I can go to bed at night and, my, and, 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 and people can hate me and I can go to bed. But if my wife has a hint of displeasure, I'm up all night thinking about it. That's the power, ladies, that you have. You have the power to influence for good. You have the power to encourage the right way. Your words matter. Your words have weight. Amen? And, and, and some, some, sometimes, you know, people have said to me, your wife can hurt you that bad. You need to get thicker skin. No, I don't. See, I'm not going to sacrifice intimacy for protection in the covenant of marriage. So I, I, I'm glad. In a sense. I know once in a while she'll hurt me. But the benefits far outweigh the burdens of a misused gift that she has in her life. Outside of the covenant, yeah, we got to be careful who we're going to listen to and who we're going to respond to. Amen? That's a good word right there. Here's what women need to avoid, okay? Comparison and perfectionism. Comparison and perfectionism, which, by the way, ultimately leads to competition. It's a competitive thing. So if if, if girls and guys are going to take a class and they find out there's a lot of work with it, the guys will say the class is really, really hard. The girls will say, you know what, I I knew I wasn't smart enough. Because for guys, it's external, but for women, it's internal. It's a comparison. And in the end, it leads to some kind of nasty behaviors and sometimes slander and gossip and and divisive behaviors. And so uh, what should happen, and and I hope most of the time it's the case, but if you come into my home, uh, you'll see that my wife knows I love her. Uh, she, she, I think most of the time she beams. And, and she, I, think she find, I think she knows I find her uh, wildly attractive. What would happen if that was a known in our home? There would be flourishing. If, she, if, if a person knew she was, if they were cherished. People ask me sometimes, what kind of woman do you like? Do you like a blonde woman? Do you, do you, like, do you like brunettes? And I like whatever hair color my wife has this month. I like that. Because it changes all the time. All the time, okay? So if women knew they were cherished, then, listen, if women knew they were cherished, then any attempt to liberate them seems ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So what would the world say about us? See, the idea of a strong husband and a submitted wife seems archaic and outdated, but when we live it accurately, there's no argument. There's no argument. See, the world only attacks an idea because it hasn't seen it put into practice the right way. And so if she or others saw you lay down your life for them, ladies, if he or others like him saw you come alongside and invite him to lead and have biblical submission, if, if, if that was the case, what kind of impact could we have on the world? Now, I know there's some people out there that have been harmed and hindered by some idiotic behavior. 
And I can see why you would be unsettled about this. But don't make the lowest common denominator apply to everyone. Just because, just don't, don't take somebody's bad experience and charge it to God's good design, God's great design. Can I have an amen out there? So th- this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand your feet. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to, to, to come to the front now in Framingham as well. I hope you guys got something out of this. Did anybody get anything out of this? We're just, we're just starting. We're just starting. Amen. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if we could just pray. Next week, we're going to talk about kind of women in the church, and we're going to deal with some of the tough questions that are out there. But I believe God has a system. He has a, he has a perfect design for everything. And he creates male and female with these unique characteristics and they're meant to be celebrated they're meant to be applauded they're meant to be applied what would happen if they were they were applied in marriage what would happen if they were applied in families what would what would happen if they were applied in churches and communities what would happen if they were applied in a country what will happen if they're not and i would just say you know this is just me pastor to the ladies here i want you to thrive i want you to grow in this community I want you to utilize your gifts. I want you to be able to feel like you can make a difference. There's space for that. I want your passions to be released. And so on behalf of this church in Framingham and here, we need you. We need you to step up. We need you to step out. You've been encouraged. Stacy's leading from the front in this, and it's important that you step out. But the number one need I see today, you know, is, is in the family. With, with adultery, divorce, with broken homes, with abuse, and all the things that are going on. It looks on the outside like we're living in Camelot, but when I watch people from where I stand to where you stand right now, I, I see sometimes people listening who have all kinds of problems going on under the hood. I would just say to you, sir, ma'am, what would happen if you led as God designed And I'd also say, men and women, you will fail if you do not have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray for those of you who already know him to walk away deciding to lead that way. But I want to pray in particular for those who don't know him. And so if you're here today and you've never come to Jesus, this is your come to Jesus moment where you you can say, you know what, I think there's something to this. You know what, that makes sense. But you also know, I can't do it. I can't do it without help, and I want to make sure I'm in relationship, right relationship with God. And so if you've never done this, I'm not saying you did this last week, the week before. I'm saying you never did this. You never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. With courage, just say, that's me. I want to make sure I'm connected to God, just between me, you, and God. Boldly raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I surrender to God's design for relationship with women and relationship with men. I know that biology may make a male, may make a female, but it doesn't always make a man or a woman. Shape me, mold me, and make me into the man or woman you've called me to be in Jesus' name. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, seal it. I pray that you work inside to the outside, Lord, that these truths would literally transform them and and renew their minds in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on up here, Nance. God bless you guys.